Welcome to The Real Deal Podcast. I'm Manny Marshall. This podcast is brought to you by paintballaccess.com. Man, World Cup is coming up. Can't wait for that event. Going to be going down. You can watch all the action live October 9th through the 12th on paintballaccess.com. Also, this podcast is brought to you by GI Sports, uh, as well as Empire Paintball, Die Precision, and PB Nation. So I'm incredibly excited to have uh, a hard-charging man here in the studio with us today. Uh, I was lucky enough to have gone on a couple adventures with him myself, and uh, we were hiking in the mountains, and he was just telling me all these crazy stories about his European adventures and almost getting killed by a bull, hiking Hadrian's Wall by himself with no money, living on rabbit. It was just <laughs> epic stories of adventure. And I was like, man, we have got to get you in for a podcast. So we got Blake Yarber here from San Diego Dynasty, uh, you know, emerging as an awesome D-side player for the team, um, done well for them in the couple seasons he's been on the squad. They hit a little bit of a hitch, obviously, with the last performance of the West mm -hmm. Coast Open. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, but Blake, man, you know, he's, he's fresh in here. Thank God he made it through his Mexico. His latest adventure was just got back for a bachelor party in Mexico. So... When we were kind of talking about this, and he's like, yeah, let's do that podcast. I'm going to Mexico this week. And I was like, well, Blake, I hope you make it back alive after <laughs> the stories that I heard on the on our backpacking trip that we did. Um, so you're here. You're alive. I'm here. I'm, I'm excited. Here. I'm excited you made it back. And uh, so how you feeling, man? How's everything going? So everything's good. Uh, I got back from the trip, you know, and, and I worked for two days, and then I thought, all right, I'm ready to go camping, so I went camping Thursday. You went camping already? Yeah. We just did a 50-mile backpacking trip <laughs> into the eastern Sierras. It was epic. It was amazing. It was kind of tough. We did three passes at about 12,000 feet. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, too. But then you went camping right after so that? So I went camping again. I couldn't get it out of me. Animal. So. And then I came home, uh, did a couple things on Friday, and then left for Mexico for the bachelor party. Nice. Took my boy out. So um, let's, before we get into the crazy adventure stories, just so everyone kind of has a primer of who you are and, you know, why we got a microphone trained on you right now, other than the fact you've been, you know, living it hard this this, <laughs> this year, uh, is that, you know, you're on a really good team. You worked really hard to get there. And obviously this is a, you know, this is the Gunfighters podcast, man. This is a paintball podcast. So, you know, how exactly did you find yourself on Dynasty? Um, and we've touched about on your history a little bit before, but for people that don't really know, I mean, you're living kind of a, in a dream world right now for a lot of guys right. out there playing on the most legendary team in a short list of legendary teams. Um, and, you know, it, it, and it wasn't like you were a young kid scouted and, you know, I mean, you kind of had to find an unconventional way and I, that I think a lot of true paintball players would really respect. You played a lot of pump, you played a lot of different types of paintball, but you came up kind of as a pump player and uh, played all these other different types, got scouted by Rusty Glaze. Mm -hmm. But kind of give me in your own words, like how did you okay. get on San Diego Dynasty? Because, you know, people are always like, right. how do I get on these big teams, man? Right. I want to I play for the Ironman. I want to play for damage. Like, how do I do it? So uh, it started, you know, uh, my dad took me paintball when I was eight. He took me with the Boy Scouts. I wasn't on the Boy Scouts, but, uh, but his buddy was in the Boy Scouts. So he took me to play against them. He kind of snuck me in, eight years old. I was hooked, you know. So uh, my mom hated paintball because my dad did paintball. So she wouldn't let me do it. So for every birthday, I got to do whatever I wanted. So is paintball for, for every year until I was So your through. mom hated paintball, which kind of kept you hates probably it. from playing? Hates it. Hates it? Well, different today because of the podcast. She loves paintball. She's, if you come to the tournaments, you'll see her in the stands. You'll know who my mom is. Yeah, and that was a cool story. Well, I want to get to that a little bit later, too, because yeah, yeah. that makes me feel good about what I'm doing. But... uh 
Yeah, so you're you're young. I'm young. Mom hates it. Dad's kind of into it, right. letting you do it. And right. then, so you, every every year for your birthday, you were kind of going mm-hmm. to play. So I was going to play, but uh, primarily I was doing school. I was playing sports. You know, I played football, baseball, tennis, track, soccer. You know, I was Did I was everywhere. Everything. And then after those, my mom was taking me an accordion lesson, so I played the accordion for uh, 12 years. No way. I didn't even know that about you. Little known fact. I play guitar. You should bring the accordion oh, over dude, one day I and wish, we can jam out. I wish I could still play. You can't play anymore? I can't play. I, I put it down, you know, and, and I wish I never did. I bet you you could probably figure it out again. Oh, man, it's, it's tough. I mean, I've never touched an accordion, let alone tried to play one. But My, my right hand's good. Yeah, and then when I try to get that left hand to go with the right hand, it's just how hard is it unfun. to play the accordion? I, I don't even know what it takes to do that. It just takes a lot of hours of practice. Kind of like everything else. It's it's like the piano, you know. Uh, takes a lot of uh, muscles to open those bellows, mm-hmm. you know, and close them. So but you, I have so a lot you, of appreciation for dudes with accordions. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I see a guy with an accordion. Oh. I'm right there. When you're in Europe, I'm occasionally you're always, when I was traveling around Europe a lot, you know, you'd be in some random street corner in some downtown area and there'd be some like dude with an accordion and his hat out or dude with a guitar and his right. hat out. And you're like, I always give those people money. For Anytime sure. I ever see anyone playing any instrument whatsoever, anywhere, and they got their hat out, they're, you know, doing a little public performance, I always give those people money. I feel it's like good karma or something. You got to do it, man. I mean, they're out there putting it out on the line. You know, they're like, all right, I learned this instrument, everybody. And now I'm going to play a little tune for you. I know. I'm kind of inserting my tune into your day, into your walk to work or your to get food, but I always got to give us a few more. So, all right, so uh, so you did tons of different sports, mm-hmm. um, and then you just kind of always were just chipping away at it, loving so, the game, playing the game. You know, I was, I was reading magazines. I had every magazine that ever came out. You know, I was uh, going on the internet, watching paintball, but, but I wasn't really allowed to play. And so my senior year, uh, we went to CIF and then lost. And then, so the next sport was soccer, and, and uh, losing in CIF, it just broke my will. You know, so I was, I was trying to play soccer, and some games I'd be into it, some games I wouldn't. So uh, I just told the coach, you know, and I, I told my team, hey, my, my heart's not here. So I kind of let them down, but, uh, but I pulled out, and then I, I started to build my own paintball field in my backyard. No way. Yeah, with a couple buddies. And you're from, you know, greater Los Angeles area. Greater Los Angeles area. Yeah, but more eastern kind of, right. uh, yeah. So my buddy found uh, where to get some netting. So we, I think we bought it for like 600 bucks and it's 300 feet. Uh, it might have been more. It might have been, fuck, I can't remember. How stoked was your mom on you building a paintball oh. field in your backyard? Hey, mom, can I build a paintball field in, in the backyard under the avocado trees? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go the lucrative route. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, okay, so then you, you know, so how old were you at this time, kind of, you're in high school? Uh, so, yeah, so it was my senior year of high school, I'm 17 turning 18, so uh, we bought some turf from Home Depot, brought it back, duct taped it, you know, it was a legit field, uh, we spent quite a bit on the reballs. so we had a bunch of reballs. and then my buddy worked at Sports Chalet, and his brother was big into uh, scuba diving, so he had a bunch of tanks, so we would fill those tanks up. And I started playing like three, four times a week. Really? Yeah, just snap shooting. That makes sense, because your you know your fundamentals are really good, and 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 when you when you came to note when you know kind of Rusty was kind of I remember in a conversation or something he's like yeah we're looking at this kid Blake well he's not a kid but you know because you're 27 years old now 27. right 27. Um, he's like yeah but he's up and coming and I think he's going to be good but then when I 
and it makes a lot of sense. As you came from California, so always a decent people to play against when you would go play. You had your own field now in the backyard playing three, four days a week. That makes sense because your fundamentals are very sound as far as a snapshot, you know, and, right. and that is concerned. Um, so then, all right, so then you're, you know, getting out of high school. Like, when did you start playing tournaments? Like, when did so you get into that? I, I mean, at this point, I wasn't even going to paintball fields and playing against teams. I wasn't even on a team. I was building a team. So I built this field in my backyard, and then I grabbed uh, four other dudes that I went to, to high school with, and we, we built this paintball team. And uh, we hadn't even played a tournament. We went to the store, and we said, uh, you know, uh, could you sponsor us? And they sponsored us, which wow. was Nice of them. Yeah. yeah, super stoked. Well, hey, you're, you're, it's all the answer is always going to be no, and if you never ask, right? You got to at right. least ask. Uh, uh, a closed mouth never gets fed. That's very, very true. So they sponsored us, and we went to play our first tournament. We took very last. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't help that we had a, a gun penalty, which was negative 100 points. Oof. Yeah, those always hurt. Yeah. But uh, you know, we were contending. We were beating some teams that were uh, good. You know, real good. So, but anyways, so we take last place, uh, and then we start grinding a little more. So then I graduate from high school, and it's the only thing I can think about. So we played two events. The next event, we took last place again. You know, and so now, and I think we're a good team. You know, I'm I'm back there grinding away. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a good player. Uh -huh. Last place. <laughs> oh, this thing is so tough. I got to practice more. Yeah. So uh, we we played a little more, and then the guys that I'd built a team with just dis dismembered themselves, you know. So yeah. they all go to college, and so that the guy that was sponsoring us through the paintball, it was uh, the paintball shop, and it's called Paintball Addicts. He said he wanted to build a shop team, and he wanted me and a couple guys to go play for him. So we started that team. We bought a bunch of bunkers, and then we we were going up to the foothills, just blowing them up and using scuba just again. Just playing outlaw down yeah. the foothills. Outlaw. Yeah. Which was cool. We uh, So then we started to build this team, and then we started playing the XPSL, which was an MPPL affiliate. Yeah, right. Okay. And so we, uh, we took fourth at – no, I'm sorry. We took third at the first event in D3. Really? Yeah. So, so that's a huge step up yeah. from last, last, third. So Complete turnaround. Yeah. You know, so that, that was super stoked on that one. And, and I really felt that we could have taken first. We, we had a, a penalty which cost us the, uh, the semifinals. So mm -hmm. we had to play for third and fourth. So we ended up taking third. The next event was in San Bernardino, which is pretty close to my hometown. We took first. We... Uh, we were we won the first point in the finals. The second point we lost. The third point was a tie, and then so it went to one on ones, and they chose me to go out there. And they're like, Blake, we want you to go out for the one on one. I got right out on the field, and I was just ready to go, just fired stoked, up, stoked for it. So the guy comes out, and he they asked me, uh, Blake, you were here first. What side do you want? And I said, I don't care. Let him choose. <laughs> I want awesome. this guy. So get in his head immediately. Yeah, so the you know, five seconds, the game starts, I'm in his face right off the gate. Yeah. I'm running down the field, snap shooting, boom, hit him, game over. We win. My field my team comes on the field. It's just such an amazing oh, feeling when you, something like that happens man, to you. It's, it still gives me goosebumps. I get goosebumps right now. That well that's the cool win. thing about the game though, is that you know, you are it's a trial. Everything is a trial. Every time you anytime you decide to go play the game and play it competitively, I mean, yeah, it's, it's about fun too, of course, but you know, it, 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 it 
you can have fun playing paintball in any way, shape, or form. But to me, what's special about the game is when you choose consciously to put yourself in those positions where you're out there, man. You could have lost that one-on-one, yeah. you know? But there'll always be another shot, you know? Maybe For not sure. that amazing of it, like, oh, we fight through the tournament, we get to the point, now right. we're playing one-on-one, and it's all about you, and you've got to step up for your buddies and your team and all the work you've put in. And But you create those moments slowly but surely for yourself, and then when it works, you're just like... Oh, that feeling of elation, that feeling of of, uh, of achievement, you know, which is you know, ultimately, I mean, you know, what? Yeah, it's not like you won uh, or you know created like Apple computers or anything, or right. but still, you know, it's the it's the but it's the mental pathways of of challenging yourself that I think enriches your life, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> so that's really cool, man. Yeah, so I mean, at that point, you know, I hadn't won anything since losing in CIF and football. So I, I was hurting, yeah. you know, deep down. So now, so now I got this this big heart again, and I'm and I'm ready to grind. So we, so we played another three years, and and those kids needed to go to college too. They they were all younger than I was, mm-hmm. so they they stopped playing paintball. We played all the MPPL, and I think it was 2009. We didn't, we we were okay, but we didn't win anything. You know, so so they they pulled out, and then. The sponsor wanted me to start another team, but I was just, I was burnt on making teams. You know, it, it, it takes a lot of time, and I was, I was putting everything I could into, into these teams, and, and they were leaving. So, so I kind of quit. I had a girlfriend at the time, and she didn't really like paintball. Weird. Big surprise, yeah, right? It's so surprising. It's so weird. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> so I took like six months off, and I, I was kind of thinking, okay, I'm done with paintball. You know, time to move on. And then uh, another guy that was, that was sponsoring me on the side, the paintball shop, Gene Stein. He called me up and he says, hey, Blake, I want to make a pump team. You know, I know you like pump. Uh, why don't you come play for me? You don't have to practice. You don't have to pay anything. I'll pay for everything. Just just uh, I'll pick you up and we'll go to these tournaments and we'll play. So we went to the first tournament and I think we took second place. And we had a, a team full of studs. What is it about pump that that you enjoy because I like playing pump too and you know I mean my first time playing paintball was with a pump gun and kind of grew up in that transitional period when it was all pump and then went to semis and but then pumps and then it's been kind of a boutique side of paintball for for and it's been big in California though and big in some other areas but it's a very challenging way to play the game Mm -hmm. it's uh you don't have the technological advantage it's it makes it a lot harder it's a lot more about you and your skills right so uh I think pump is the biggest in the U.S. I don't see very much in Europe, uh, South America. They they barely even you know dabble into it. Hawaii's always had a pretty good Hawaii, pump scene. Hawaii, yeah. they are killer over yeah, there. They've always they, had a good pump scene. Over great there. snap shooters over there, and and I love uh, pump because it's fast, it's aggressive, but it's that one shot, and they'll catch you every time. I mean, how many times did I get shot off the break, and how many times was I shooting guys off the break with one ball? You know, which is crazy yeah, to think about watching that guy. So I wasn't shooting, you know, I'm just watching him run, take that one cock, shoot G1 yeah. off the break. And there, there's a certain satisfaction to lasering one ball, one ball right exactly where you wanted to put it. And then another thing about pump is that, my God, it, if you're a good pump player, it makes you such a killer when you put a semi-automatic machine gun in somebody's hands. I mean, you get an ego or, you know, geo or DM or something right. in your hands right. and you've been playing pump. You're just like, God, this is easy. This yeah. got so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to, to I, save money, too, because a lot of guys are sure. like, you know, paintball's expensive. It's it's way cheaper. I don't, you know, people say that uh, they can't afford paintball, and I'm like, why don't you go play pump? It's so cheap. South Americans, I think, would benefit the most from pump. 
And so I've been kind of... Yeah, because you've been down in South Africa. And I want to get into your adventures here pretty soon. Because, okay. my God, you've had some awesome adventures. Right. That, that it's cool, though, because, you know, you kind of earn the right to live that life by having a really unconventional way of coming up in Southern California. Because, right. I mean, I've heard... I've been... I've born and raised here, and I've seen a lot of guys come up through the ranks out of this area. But you went, like... You know, like playing outlaw ball, playing like on pump team and, you know, get sport. I mean, it, it's a kind of, you know, it's not your traditional like, oh, yeah, bro, I just went to SC Village and just grinded until, you know, I got reps on the good team and then I did well and then I got on that team. I mean, that's right. the traditional way of doing right. it. But you went the kind of like, yeah. you know, many different t- t- twists and turns and to get to playing for Dynasty, you know. So on this pump team, I played for one whole year just pump. And we dominated. We knocked the hitman off the rocker, you know, which made them very upset because they were dominating pump for years. Yeah, that's a huge pump team. And we came in, and in our first year, we were beating them, you know. So people are just amazed. And so I played only pump for a year, and then the next year we started playing woods ball, the UWL with Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Cole, Mm -hmm. which was... I fell in love with that. You know, that brought me to the back in the days when my dad was taking me to go play to paintball, you know. Love so playing I, the UWL. Oh, love it. I got to play against the legendary Maddie Marshall in the finals. <laughs> they beat us. They're the daggers. Was the it daggers? the daggers? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Do we where were you on that side of the field too? Because I ran way the hell up there, yeah. got and crawled into this trench and and I think it, I think we were fighting each other because yeah. you were on that sidelines. Yeah. Did you get in that one but I yeah. think yeah. So we're, you so you were up in like the this fortification with trees all around you and then there's the ditch underneath you yep and we were kind of gun battling and then you got caught up and so i dipped down and crawled all the way through the trench took me like three minutes came up was it you shot me yeah it was you that shot me god damn it well i took two of your homies down before you got me so touche bro (laughs) yeah yeah you're right and so so at that point i thought i was home free you know so i pulled that swing flag i was yep. going for the home base flag and then uh sunny lopez came out of the woodworks and shot me in the butt you know yeah. uh, shout out to sunny because he shot me but uh, it was also funny too because sunny lopez he ran the hit or he does run the hitman um and then when we went on that hike a couple of years ago you were on, were you on the hike with sunny oh you didn't come that year no, no. Uh, that's right you i came the next year. year that's right you did come next year so uh all right so so yeah, UWLs are awesome. So, You're playing on this pump team. So playing on the pump team, doing the UWLs, and Son then of so bitch, then shot me, dickhead. Right. right. So <laughs> I shoot the legendary Maddie Marshall. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So the next year we decide to uh, embark in X ball, and uh, Mike Henman was just starting the WCPPL, great league. Uh, so we started D2. We didn't even go through the D3 ranks. We went straight to D2. Uh, our first event, we took second place. Man, I think it was our first event. So that was big, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, played a great event. Lost, I think we lost to uh, SD Mob in the finals. Took second place. And then so so now we're grinding a lot. And then so Pump is kind of making its way out. And now I'm only playing X-Ball with Gat. And so I played two more years with them. We dominated through the WCPPL. And then... Uh, Indianapolis Mutiny had moved to Southern California around Huntington Beach, and they were refing for Mike Hinman in the WCPPL. So they were kind of seeing me play. And so uh, Gat stopped playing X-Ball. They were just out of money, you know, so we were we were done with. And, and again, you know, another team that I helped build yeah. has went down the shitter. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. And I... And, and the girlfriend that I had didn't like paintball, but she knew it was my passion. Mm-hmm. So she told me, hey, I don't like paintball, but, you know, I'm not going to force you to quit, but I would like you to quit. And so I started thinking about it, 
And I was like, you know what? I've spent so many years to get to the pro ranks. Why am I just going to throw it away? You know, and and I really enjoy playing pump. I mean, uh, paintball. So, you know, why? I've spent so much money. I'm just going to keep playing. Yeah. So, anyways, I started playing for SD Mob. I played two events with them. And then Indianapolis Mutiny asked me to come play uh, the MAO of 2012 PSP Division One, which was awesome. Had you played a PSP tournament at that point? Never. This was my first PSP. Yeah. Coming in D1, you know, I was super stoked. So we uh, we we set up practices with Dynasty two weekends in a row, I believe it was, and they just devastated us. And I remember we were playing, and it was almost every point I would get into the 50 Dorito and then turn around, and I was only, the only one alive. Oh, so Worst feeling ever. And I got bunkered almost every point. <laughs> And so I would go home. That's why it's the worst feeling ever. Because yeah. you know the pain's about to come after that. So I went home and and I would just have flashbacks of Oliver bunkering me, Ryan bunkering me, Dalton bunkering me, <laughs> Yosh bunkering me. I mean, I got bunkered so many times, that, and it was my first time on a D one team. So I'm not going to turn around and say anything to these yeah. guys. These guys are gotta, you know, you just got to wear playing. it, man. Yeah. So I was just wear wearing it. it. Yeah. So for two straight days, you know, I get bunkered almost every point. I'm like, oh my gosh. But you're a tough dude, so you probably are still up there just taking it yeah, every single it was time. Cool. Right? You know, it's yeah. no biggie. Yeah. You know, and and props to the dynasty guys. Uh love those guys. They're they're legendary. You know, they're they're throwing me tips. Hey, you know, you're getting up here, you know, you just gotta protect yourself. So they're giving you tips while the practice right. is going right. on. And they don't know who I am. You know, of course I know who they are. Mm-hmm. So uh we go to play MAO with Indianapolis Mutiny, and we lose every match. Here we go again. Been here, done that. Yeah. So uh, that team kind of, you know, they weren't sure because, and and shout out to Andy Horvath and uh, Fish because they were putting out a lot of money to make that team happen. And so they weren't sure if they were going to do the next event. And so I was kind of fishing around for a team. I played for uh, LA Collision. They let me play with them in Chicago, which was cool. Uh, we took, we were in the top eight or something like that, lost in the quarters. So uh, I was getting ready to go to NPPL DC, and I got this message on my phone, and it was from Rusty Glaze. I was driving home from work, and I could still remember. So I looked down, I'm, you know, this is when you could still look at your phone and, and talk on your cell phone. <laughs> yeah. So I looked down at my phone, and it's a message from Rusty Glaze, and it says, uh, here you go. Here's your chance. Time to step step up to the big leagues. And I was like, "Oh shit!" Pull over. So I pull over on the freeway. <laughs> on the freeway. Oh yeah. So I'm looking at this message. What does this mean? Yeah. Just that's all it said. Yeah. That's all it time said. Time to step up to the big leagues. Here's yeah. your chance. Yeah. That's all it is. Message him back. He says we want you to play for Dynasty at DC Open. Huge. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. So then I called my team and I said, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but Dynasty asked me to come play for him. Please keep this on the DL. You know, I don't know if it's true or not. I, 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 can't, yeah. I can't tell. This is a dream yeah. come true. Maybe Russ is messing with me or something. You never know. So sure enough, uh, uh, I get a hold of Eric Crandall. He says, do you need a plane ticket? I say, no, I, I already got one. He says, okay, we'll pay you back. So uh, 
I'm getting ready to fly. It was like Thursday. The team's already there. Uh, I asked if they wanted me to change my plane flight to get to to DC early to be with the team. They said no. Just just come when you can with with your original ticket. So I'm I'm at home. I'm packing my bag. How I'm, surreal is that moment? You know, you get the call. You're about to go play for San Diego Dynasty. Yeah. You've never really you've never been. This isn't like you're coming from another big name pro team. I mean, you've been playing on divisional teams for years, starting teams of your own, playing different styles of paintball, UWL, pump, working slowly, working your way up, and mm -hmm. then here you go, you get this out of the blue message, and it, now I mean, you're it, about to go play for, you know, the it, best, the most successful paintball team that's ever played. It's the dream come true. And and the thing is, is is I never asked. I never asked to go play for Dynasty. I never asked to go play for any pro team. At this point, you didn't even drop a hint to him, like, "Hey guys, you know, hey, like, even joking, like, no. if you ever need another player, I'm down to roll." Like, no. never. Wow. So just no. out of the completely out of the blue. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome though. So uh, I'm getting ready. I'm packing my bag, getting ready to go to DC. You know, to play with the most legendary paintball team mm -hmm. in my life, yeah. which is Dynasty. And uh, I'm like, you know what? I better double check my plane flight. So I go on the computer. Oh no! And it's for a month later. <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting ready to go to the airport yeah. and this you do this that last minute like everyone does that last minute check right just gotta make sure it's it's actually is at 6 20 a.m you know right. or whatever exactly and no it's for a month it's later and i'm like oh, oh my gosh no. so i call my roommate into my room i'm like brian come here what does that say and he says well it says you fly to uh to dc next month and i was like oh my gosh so i call eric crandall right away or i, I think i called rusty and rusty eric says, crandall's dynasty's manager by the way for right. everyone out there yeah so i call rusty and rusty says get on the phone with uh, eric crandall so i call eric and eric's like okay i'll call you back so i'm so now i'm i'm frantically panting pacing in my room you know i i just blew my one opportunity to go play for uh, sd <laughs> dynasty so Crandall calls me back and he says, uh, can you be to LAX in 60 minutes to catch your flight? Which uh, is a really factually, LAX is not that close to where you live. No, it's, if it's you were an living hour. In the same spot that you live in at when I went to your house, right? Same right. spot. Okay. Right. Not same close. Spot. <laughs> it's 60 minutes away from my house yeah. at 80 miles per hour. With no traffic. With no traffic. Yeah. And I'm, and it's now 5 PM <laughs> peak traffic time. <laughs> So I call my buddy. I say, Andrew, I'm coming over to your house right now. I need a ride to LAX. I'm going to pick you up, and then we're just going to bone over to LAX. Does your friend own a helicopter? No, he does not. Okay, all right. I'm just checking because that's the only way I think you get there in the time that you need to get there. So so I drive. I pick him up, and I'm like, Andrew, you got to drive because uh, I'm going to get a speeding ticket. Yeah. It's going to slow us down. I, I'm just going to close my eyes, and you drive, okay? <laughs> so he gets me there in 60 minutes. No way. Yeah. So I get on this flight. Uh, it's my first time on a, a first class flight, which was cool. Going to play for SD Dynasty, a land, play the event, played really good. Uh, you know, I thought I played pretty decent for my first pro event. Yeah, you wouldn't have stuck around if you didn't. So then they asked me to stick stick around and play some more with them. And that is such an awesome story, man. And so, uh, and because of the re I, you know, so you getting on that team kind of then opened up a lot of doors for you to go play in Europe for other teams, go mm -hmm. to South America, teach clinics. You know, because anytime you get on a big team and stay on that team for a while, it gives you a legitimacy in the sport, and rightfully so. You know, I mean, you don't get to play on 
you know, any of these big name teams without you being a badass paintball player. Um, so that's, and you know, after, you know, when we were on that hike and, and, and I love listening to your stories, you're a great storyteller, but my God, you got some doozies this year though, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, had you, cause you hadn't really been to Europe before no. you hadn't, I mean, no. so this kind of gave you a really cool opportunity to travel internationally. For sure. But lifelong dream to travel and never had the opportunity. And also, this is something I want to touch on, too, is that, you know, Blake doesn't come from a rich family, you know, yeah. I mean, but because kids are always asking me, like, well, how, you know, how do you make it work financially? And I always tell them, hey, man, either go to school or learn a trade. And you're a tradesman, mm -hmm. you know, you do Carpenter. construction, yeah, carpentry. And so that's another good life lesson, I think, for a lot of guys, younger guys, particularly out there that are wondering, like, well, how is it Blake able to kind of make these opportunities? But because you chose a specific trade where, you know, like you have a skill and people pay you to create things. And so that it gives you a little bit of freedom, you know, and, and also puts money in your pocket so that you can afford to do cool stuff with your life, right. which I think is another important thing out there that, you know, dude, learn how to weld, learn a trade, learn carpentry, yeah. you know, whatever it is, whatever you, because that's the only way that you can have those cool elements of life, particularly as you move forward, if you want to, you know, have a nice car or like that sort of stuff. So you, know, you being diligent about learning a trade when you were young and then being a hard charger, you know, in work and in your extracurricular activities, now open the door for you to have this, you know, lifelong dream of traveling internationally and going on these crazy adventures like hiking Hadrian's Wall and wanting with the bulls and going to South America and all this crazy shit that you've been doing this year. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of want to, can you please tell me the bull story again? I want to, I want to hear the bull story. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't know if that's the best one to start out with, but my God, this is, Blake almost got killed by a bull, like no joke. So with further, no further ado, Paint the picture for me. All right. So uh, I got on uh, a team called uh, Marseille Icon from France to play uh, the first year in Millennium for myself. So I played in the CPS, which is the Champions Paintball Series. Mm -hmm. So uh, <clears throat> I played the first event in France, uh, a lot of fun, stayed out there for two or three weeks, I think. And then the second event was in Germany. And then so now we're coming up to the third event. So... Uh, they asked me to book my flight, and I was kind of thinking, you know, I've never been to England, never been to Scotland or Ireland, so I think I'm going to take a month to play this paintball event and then uh, travel around a little bit. Yeah. But I was kind of, you know, I, I quit work this year to uh, further my paintball career and follow my dreams of traveling. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of running low on funds, but... Uh, I'd done some jobs for people, and they, they were buddies, you know, so they owed me a little bit of cash, so I kind of... So I was thinking about canceling my month-long trip into uh, the UK because for lack of funds. Yeah. But I hit up these guys that owed me some cash, and they said, well, I don't have the cash for you right now, but get over there, and I'll pay you once you're over there. I'll drop it in your bank account. So you're kind of taking a leap of faith. Oh, Go hardly yeah. the faith oh. because I'm I'm getting really low on funds actually yep. to tell you the truth oh, that's crazy so uh, I fly into France land in Paris uh, take a bullet train down to the south and then I, I get together with my teammates and they're like Blake you're here uh, we're gonna have a barbecue tonight and I was like perfect I love French food yeah. the, the French are by far the cuisine masters oh yeah they can cook up a storm <laughs> I'm loving the food I'm savoring yeah. right now you know, my mouth <laughs> And so uh, 
And then one of my teammates knew that I was planning to go run with the Bulls. Or maybe I had told him. I, I can't remember how this was. Yeah, because so, you were going to go. So you're going to South of France. You're there to play the event. You're hanging out with your team. But you were also going to then go down with some other buddies, right. uh, paintball buddies, HK guys, right. and a couple other guys, mm-hmm. like Zach Wake or, and Brandon Yeah, Short. so it was, uh, the, the trip was we were going to play the, the event in England and then take a plane down to Spain to go run with the Bulls. And this was Brandon Short, Zach Wake, Bear DiDigio, and uh, Brandon Fort from HK. Okay. So it's the four of us, uh, five of us, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so uh, I land in uh, the south of France, and they're like, Blake, we have Bulls here kind of like Spain. Do you want to go run with the Bulls? And I was thinking, <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to be one step ahead of everybody else. A little warm-up. Yeah, you know, a little, a little practice. practice session. Yeah, Practice. <laughs> God. So uh, we drive over to this thing, and it and they used to do it in Montpellier, where it was like the, the center of town. It's an old city. Mm-hmm. So they used to just cordon off all the streets, and then the bull would run through the streets, and you can jump through corridors and, and avoid this bull. But they felt that it was too dangerous, so now they just put it in like – an arena, which is about exactly the size of a paintball field with uh, bunkers all around. You know, Made like of hay or something. Yeah, right? hay bales. Uh, there was a jungle gym. There was uh, a dumpster, you know. So we so we pull up to this place, and me being me, I'm like, oh, I cannot run a bull. This bull doesn't stand a chance against me. <laughs> so I don't even watch. I just jump right in. And there's like 30 dudes, and they're all pretty young, you know, between 20 and 30. But everybody's on the bunkers. There's only like three dudes that are out running around. Dodging the bull. Yeah, dodging the bull. And that's me. I'm, I'm number three. And I have my phone out, you know, kind of videotaping, hey, you know, my first experience with the bull. So uh, the first two times the, bo- the bull makes eye contact with me almost runs me over. So I'm like, okay, my phone's going in my pocket. I'm taking this serious because he's actually faster than I thought he was. So I was, I was hanging out behind uh, one of these hay bales. It was like 15 hay bales with, with kids on the top, you know, trying to avoid these bulls. And I'm watching this bull. He goes over to this dumpster with stick, six kids in it and lifts it almost clean over the net. Wow. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy's strong. Oh, I'm scared now. I'm scared. So he, so he makes a round, and I'm, and I'm avoiding him the whole time. And... Uh, and he starts making his way right for the hay bales that I'm hiding behind. And it's, it's like 10 or 15 hay bales. And so I'm peeking out the right, and I see him. He's going to veer off to the right. So you're head-checking the bull. Yeah, yeah. So I'm head-checking the bull like it's paintball. <laughs> so he's coming off to the right, so I kind of dip into the bunker a little bit. I'm looking off to the right, expecting to go left myself. And all of a sudden, these hay bales flash before my eyes. Kids flash before my eyes. Bodies are flying everywhere. Hay yeah, is, right. is disintegrating. Right. So I look to my left, and there's the bull staring me right in the face. Oh, my God. Maybe 10 feet away. So I panicked. I didn't go left. I didn't go right. I went in the same direction like a dummy. <laughs> so I'm running for my life, running for this gate. And I'm about 15 feet away from the gate, and I take a look behind me to see where that bull is. And he's right there, <laughs> right behind me. So I panicked. And I try to go left, and I slipped in the gravel, hit the dirt. He picks me up with his horns, throws me up against the gate. So I bash my head up against this gate. So now I have this contusion in the back of my head, and I look at so him. he's already gored you in the back. Right. Picked you up by his horn. Right. It, it put well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know, know that at the time. I didn't know you that just, he had gored me. He just picked me up and threw me up against this, this uh, 
iron gate like a rag doll. So I bashed my head up against it, which like almost, you know, kind of knocked me out, yeah. you know. And so, and then I look right at him as he comes and smashes me in the face with his head. And so at this point of the story, I think what I thought happened was uh, I rolled over, grabbed him by the horns and pushed him off me. Like, get away from me, bull. You don't stand a chance. Well, when I came out of it and uh, asked my or my French teammates asked me what I thought had happened, they all laughed because that's not exactly how it went. <laughs> so what really went down was this bull smashes my face and I went limp dummy. Knocked you out cold. Yeah. Just knocked you out cold. Yeah. Wow. Maybe, I think they said like three seconds. I don't know. I, I, was, like, I was limp dummy. It wasn't pawing or like so, hoofing you at the same yeah, so, time. So you. as I'm laying there, they said that he's just hoofing me and, and horning me. You know, he's just, he's taking care of me, making sure I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> So I think God, I think some of the French locals grabbed him by the tail and pulled him off me. And so as he was walking away, I had come back too and then see a bull right in front of me. So grabbed him by the horns and he just kind of pulled me up. I didn't push him off me. He just kind of pulled so me up. So he lifted you up yeah. off the ground, right. now worried about the dudes tugging at his tail. Right. Like, oh, I already killed this American, yeah. so now I'm going to go after these dudes behind Dunzo. me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, so how messed so, up? Or, I mean, do you remember that at all? Or? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember... Everything minus what, uh, you know. When you were unconscious. When, when I was unconscious. So so at this point, my face is uh, pretty numb, you know, and, and I have this throbbing sensation in the back of my head where, where I hit the gate, you know, I, and I could feel this massive bump already. You know, this is seconds later. So I'm like, oh, man, I, I think I'm done running with the bull today. <laughs> so I walk outside and I look over at my friend's teammates and they're they're just they're white awestruck probably, right yeah I they're mean, just their mouths are wide open they're just staring straight at me well like, they're probably thinking like yeah we just brought blake yarber from dynasty to run with the bulls here in our little ho local hometown arena and he just got killed <laughs> we just killed blake so roman Pouzet and kevin Coulm, you know they're like blake are you all right uh let's take you to the hospital the hospital in france is free they're like let's take you to the hospital and i'm i'm still kind of pumped up you know with the uh, adrenaline and I'm tough, dude. I'm super tough. You no, I'm good. Pretty, yeah, pretty tough I'm guy. good, you know. The bull got me, but, you know, it's okay. I'm tough. <laughs> so this guy comes over, and in French, he's like, blah, 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 blah. Talking straight to me yeah. in French. And I'm like, uh, it's been years since I've taken French in high school. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. So I look over at my teammates, and they're like, he wants to take you to the hospital. He works here for the, the this little venue. He wants to take you to the hospital. And I'm like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm, it's no big deal. And they're like, are you sure? Are you sure, Blake? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And they're like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, oh, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, dude. So we go back to uh, go back to the house where the, we're having the barbecue, and it and by that point it's it's all set up and ready to go. And so I sit down, and it's starting to like come to me that I just got hit by a bull, a 1,500-pound bull that yeah. was just a killer. You know, so, or maybe it was like 1,200. He wasn't a full-size bull yet, but he was big, you know, way bigger than me, four times my size, <laughs> yeah, at least, I mean, at least. Even a small bull is, I mean, are you kidding me, dude? Like, I'm surprised you're even alive, dude. So I'm sitting there, <laughs> and, and I'm starting to get stiff. You know, things are starting to hurt. and I'm, Adrenaline's wearing off. Yeah, so... So, but there's this beautiful food right in front of me. So I'm trying to eat it, but my teeth are just aching. I can't eat this food. My teeth just hurt. 
oh, I'm like, oh, man. So I'm starting to shake, you know, everything's starting to kick in. So I'm like, I better go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. You know what? I've heard stories about Ryan. I got to go check my piss. You know, make sure I'm not bleeding blood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pissing blood, I'm sorry. So I go to the bathroom. Everything's okay. So standing in front of the mirror, wash my hands. So at this point, the only thing that I have blood on is just my elbows and my knees, you know, from scraping the ground. So so I kind of clean myself up. But, but the left side of my, my rib cage kind of hurts. So I lift up my shirt, and there's just these scratches down the down my side from where he had been hoofing me. And they just run. They run all the way down my side. There was like two of them. Were you, I mean, when we were on the trip, you had scars from that. Do you still yeah. have oh, scars? Oh, yeah. still have scars. Jesus Christ, dude. So, uh, so I go out front, and I'm like, dudes, check this out. So they look, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Blake, we got to clean that. They're like, do you have anything else? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I didn't check. So I start to lift off my shirt. I turn around and I start to lift off my shirt. And then I hear from behind me, oh my God. <laughs> so I turn around, I drop my shirt. And I'm like, what was it? What was it? They go, there's a hole in your back. Jesus Christ, I'm like, man. what do you mean a hole? You're so lucky. Because, I mean, to this at this point, the bull had, uh, he had like leather around his horns. So it's like not, he. I, I didn't think that he could have uh, gored me at this point. Yeah. You know, so, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. He, he, I think he gored me in the back when he threw me up against the fence. Well, you have, uh, and the crazy thing about that is that uh, scar now that was a hole uh, mm -hmm. that's on your back is literally a half inch from your spine. Yeah, it's right there. Okay, half inch from your spine, dude. <laughs> I mean, if he, had, I mean, in the chaos, if he had just, just one degree that to the side, I mean, Jesus, I don't even want to think about that, man. You know. So did you come out of that with like a? Because the crazy thing about that is that this is the pre-running of the bulls. You this now is pre -running are with going the bulls. to go run with the bulls yeah. with the homies down in Spain. And did you have like a come to Jesus moment where you're so, just like... So at this point, you know, uh, one of my teammates, is, his uh, girlfriend is a, a doctor. So she kind of like, you know, took care of my wounds. And then she was like, I really think you should go to the hospital to check your head to make sure you don't have a concussion or you don't die while you fall asleep bleeding in your yeah. head or yeah right. something but you know i'm an idiot so i'm like no no i'm good i'm i'm good but now i'm starting to get scared a little bit mm -hmm. so that night i go home with uh roman he's let me crash at his place and so uh, i fall asleep but sleep is hard to come by for tonight and the next night because i'm just having these nightmares i fall asleep and then there's the bull so i wake up you know the bull is haunting your dreams oh the bull is eating me alive. I'm stiff. <laughs> I hurt all soul. over. And, and there he is. A dude. Days. So I'm just scared. So we go to practice the next day. I get shot off the break every point. You know, I'm I'm unfunctional. You had practice the next day? Yeah. Jesus. And Christ, I'm I'm Blake. surprised I even played because I was I was really kinda hurting. But, yeah. But I love paintball. I love it. Apparently, I gotta get out there. Apparently. So the French just ate me up that day. Uh, I go home, hard to sleep again, you know. Uh, and so at this point, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm done running with bulls. So I called Brandon short. I'm like, Brandon, uh, I think I'm pulling out of uh, Spain. I'm not going to go running with you guys. And he's like, why? What happened? What, what, what's going on? And I said, well, I got hit by a bull. He's like, what do you mean you got hit by a bull? So I kind of gave him the quick rundown of yeah. what happened. And he's like, man, that sucks. But don't be a pussy. You got to come. <laughs> what a dick. I'm like, no, I don't think you understand. I'm not being a pussy. I, I, I almost just died, bro. He's like, 
you got to go, just just come, bro, please. And he's begging me, and I don't want to let him down because he's my homie. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll go, but I'm not running with the bull. I'm just going to hang out. So we go to London. We play the event. Event's over with. We fly down to, uh, to Bilbao, and we took a bus from Bilbao to Pamplona, and I sat next to this dude, and I swear, I've never seen, smelled anyone as bad as this dude. <laughs> And I have to sit next to him. Shorty's behind me, Bear's behind me, and they're just laughing. Wake is next to me, and Wake can smell him from where Wake is. Oh my god! And that, and I was I was hanging on the edge of the seat, and I was I was so close to just getting up and just being done with it. Like, let me off this bus. This guy reeks. I, I'm over this. So, anyways, we make it into uh, Pamplona. We uh, <laughs> we didn't have a hotel room. So we, we were doing it all on the fly, which uh-huh. is always pretty fun. Yep. It makes for adventure. Makes for It's a pain in the ass at the time, but will always make for a good story yeah. afterwards. So uh, Brandon Fort, you know, he's looking for a hotel. There's nothing in town. The only thing in town is like 500 euros, which is absurd. Yeah. You know, and we're only planning to stay there one night just to run with the bulls and then we're getting out. So his idea is that we're going to go get a... Uh, a hotel that's you know a little outside the city so so we'll pay a little extra in taxi fees but you know nothing big so he finds this one place and we we find this uh spanish taxi driver and we're like can you take us here and he goes whoo really and we're like uh i don't know what that means but yeah take us here so we get in these so there's five of us so he can't fit us all in one taxi so we have to take two taxis now and so now he's driving us through the uh, the the Spanish Pyrenees, and we drive for for almost an hour. Drive through through the mountains. Through the mountains, and so we finally tell this guy stop at a hundred euros. So so it's not just we're not just paying a hundred euros. We're paying twice that because we have two cars. So now we're paying two hundred euros, and we haven't even got to our hotel yet. <laughs> so we're like, bro, oh my gosh, just. Please turn around and take us back. Please. You can take us back? <laughs> and and he barely speaks English. And we don't speak any Spanish. You know, we're Americans. We're <laughs> so stupid with that. <laughs> so, so we're trying to convey to this guy that it's too expensive. And the, the dude speaks enough, just barely enough English. So he's like, I'll take care of it. Or you know what it was? Was the, the other taxi driver, driver, he spoke enough English that he's like, listen, we feel bad for you guys. So we'll take you back. We won't even charge you. You know, we're going to take care of you. Lucky. So we, they drive us all the way back. And on our way back, right into Pamplona, we see this hotel and, and Bear runs in. He's like, let me go check this place, see if they have any rooms. So he runs inside, nothing. So he comes out and he tells us and the taxi, the taxi dude, he's feeling sorry for us. He's like, let me go talk to him. So he goes inside, comes out. He's like, I got you guys a room. No way. Yeah. And I, I can't remember how much it was, but I mean, it wasn't killer. You know, it, was, it wasn't 500 euros. No, I think it was like 100 and something euros, which is doable. Wow. You know, uh, so, you know, the dude totally hooked us up. So uh, we, we stage, we take a shower, we get ready, get all of our white on because everybody, everybody in Pamplona is wearing white with these red sashes. You know, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. There are thousands of people and everybody's wearing white. It's like one of those uh, uh, raves, you know. Yeah. So uh, we go in. We go into town to kind of check it out, scope it out, you know, see if we can scope out the run. But it, they set it up every morning and then they take it down every day. So there's just people partying and they are partying. Like 
They've been partying since this morning. So there's thousands of blacked yeah. out, blacked wasted out dudes. So, Spanish dudes, exactly. all Europeans of all shapes exactly. and sizes. Yeah. So there, there's no catching up with these guys. It's going to take hours <laughs> and a lot of alcohol to catch up with these guys. Mm-hmm. And and we're kind of scared of the bulls at this point. So we're, we're taking it serious, you know? Yeah. Hey, let's go have two beers, and then we'll call it a night. So we go. We have two beers. I mean, when do you ever stop at two beers when you say you're going to have two beers? And that's the cliche. Like, we're just going to have a couple. Just right. going to go. We're just going to have right. a couple. No big deal. Play it easy. Yeah, right. So we had two beers. Call it a night. So we, really? So we, yeah. Actually so we get did. on this bus. To try to go well, back. Well, after a near-death experience, you were probably like, look, no bullshit, guys. Like, I'm going to have two beers. Yeah. I need to be rested for what may be the last day of my life well, tomorrow. At, at this point, I'm not running. You know, well, I'm, done, right. I'm yeah. done with it. I'm not running. Yeah. Not a chance. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm here to, to again, live with you guys. Rightfully so. I'm going to cheer you guys on, and I'm going to close my eyes because I don't want to see it. You already <laughs> gave your pound of flesh to the experience. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. So, we, so we get on this bus to go back to our hotel, and it takes us the wrong direction. Ugh. But it's all right because the people, all these kids that are getting on this bus are living, dude. The Spaniards, they know how to party. And it's, it's, it's so much fun just watching all these kids come on and come off. And they're, and they're, they're singing the whole time. It's, it's really an enjoyable experience. I mean, everybody needs to go at least once in their lifetime to go check out Pamplona for the bull run. Maybe not run, yeah. you know, listen to my story a little bit. Don't run, <laughs> yeah. but uh, definitely go check it out. And so uh, we finally make it back to our hotel, and we had to walk, I mean, for like an hour. We finally find this place, and it's like 4 a.m. No, I think we got back at 3.30. You know, we kind of uh, relax a little bit, so we close our eyes at 4 a.m., but we have to be up at 5 a.m. To, to get a bus back to the center of Pamplona to get a spot by 6 because the that, bull running is at 8 a.m. Okay, sharp. I'm, uh, 8 a.m. Yeah. sharp. Yeah. You know, 8 a.m. they release the bulls. And you got to get there a couple hours ahead of yeah. time because there's so many people there. Exactly. Need to do the spot. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so we sleep for an hour and then we get up. And, you know, it's kind of a joke like, all right, who's not going to get up? I bet you none of us gets up, you know, because we're scared of these bulls, yeah. dude. I mean, these guys aren't, but I am. <laughs> I'm definitely not waking up. Five o'clock hits, we all wake up. We're ready to go. We're like, we're doing this. I'm not doing it. You guys are doing it, and I'm here to watch you guys. <laughs> so we get. I'll let your get, parents know how you died. Right. Yeah. So we get on the bus. We make it in, and so I'm hanging out with them in the uh, in the 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 fire zone, you know. And so we kind of, we find this nice spot, like five eighths of the way back, three quarters of the way back. Easy, easy money, you know? So uh, at like 740, these cops come through and they push everybody from halfway out, halfway to the Coliseum, like out. So we're, so we've been waiting for two hours and now we're out. You know, we're not going to run anymore because they just pushed us out because they need room for everybody in the first half to run Mm -hmm. because these bulls are coming. You know, if there's a thousand people, no one's going to get through this thing. Yeah. So we see all these guys running. They're running towards the first half. They're going to jump over these fences and get back in. So we're like, let's go. Let's go. So we run. And uh, at the first at the first gate, we couldn't. There's just too many people. So we run around and we find a second gate and we jump through. We get we all get in. But now we're in like in prime zone. We are like in the first hundred meters of the bull, running with the bulls, which is, you know, 
dead man's land. So you went from, all right, we get up, you're kind of scared, end up, get wait in line, two hours, wait, then the cops clear, I'm not, no, okay, now we're not going to run. And then all of a sudden, after all of that, now you're right in the front. You're in the shooting gallery, yeah. right in the front. Right. So the, the first 30 meters And you is, still were like, I'm not running, right? You're well, still... now I'm starting to think, well, I was starting to think that I was going to run it because we were three quarters of the way back, you know, easy money. Yeah. You're like, oh, but, it's a ton. I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'll be able to see yeah, that so, I did too. So, yeah. so I, was, I was like, okay, I'm going to run it. So now we're in the first 100 meters, and I didn't think it through to now pull myself out. Now I'm already committed. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm just, I'm set on, I'm running with the bulls now. And so uh, the first 30 meters of this thing is, is no man's land. There's, you're not allowed to stand in that so that the bulls can get to speed. And we're at like 100 meters. And so, so they're like, Blake, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm just going to stand up against this wall. I'm, I'm a, I don't want to run with the bull. The, run, the bulls are faster than me. They will run me down. I'm just going to stand against this wall and, and count my good graces, which I don't have very many of, so I don't know why I was going to do that. <laughs> so uh, they're like, that's a great idea. I think we're going to do that. So the five of us are going to stand against the wall as tight as we can and let these bulls run past. So they give a warning shot at like, I, th I can't remember what it is. I can't remember if it's 30 seconds or 10 seconds. So, so everybody's kind of laughing, smiling. The first gun sounds and everybody gets stern. You know, they're serious. They're now they're, they're waiting for the bulls. Nobody's laughing. Nobody's saying a word. We're just waiting. And then, boom, the second gun fires. So I turn around to see where everybody's, you know, what, where their stance is, you know, where, where, what part of the wall they're going to stand against. And I'm standing all alone. No they all running. ran. Everyone's gone. Yeah, they're doing it proper. They're running. Yeah. They're running like you're supposed to. Yeah. But now I'm alone. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I turn around to see where the bulls are. And they're right there. I mean, they were there like that no. in two seconds. Just right behind you again. Yeah. So, so they're there. It's like your nightmare so, all over yeah. again. So I'm, I'm pushing myself up against this wall like every inch matters. I'm just absorbing myself into this wall. <laughs> and so these people are running, and here comes the bulls, and this dude falls right in front of me. Just stumbles yeah. right in front of you, yeah, face first in the concrete. The whole place is cobblestone. The cobblestone, yeah. Oh, you know? so he tripped on the yeah, cobblestone. Yeah, so he trips on cobblestone, which is which was my nightmare coming into this, oh. which was A, drunk dudes, and B, the cobblestones. Yeah. And so I see this guy trip, and I look down at him, and he's going into the ball because that's what you do. You know, you don't you don't try and get back up. You just go into a ball, and if the fetal ball position, hits you, yeah, fetal yeah. position, you just hope you don't get it bad. Exactly. Because if you try to get back up, now you're standing up and the bull will really mess you up. Yeah. So I look down at this dude and he's going in a fetal position. And I look over at the bull and the bull is coming right for this dude. Oh my God. And I'm like, I can't let this guy go down this way. So I reach down, I grab him by both of his arms, pick him up and I throw him into my chest and the bull runs right past us. <laughs> Just barely misses yeah. him. Just barely misses him. Oh my god! And he god. looks. He's he's up against my chest because I'm holding. So you him. guys so, are like yeah, face to in face, kissing distance. And he looks at me and he goes, "Gracias." <laughs> <laughs> so you saved a Spaniard's life. I saved his life, dude. Oh my god! Saved his life. So I start to run, and these local guys are like, "No, it's over. It's over." And Oliver kind of gave me the rundown. He's like, "Listen, they've released two heats. You want to be in between." both heats you know you don't want to be in front of the first bulls yeah. you want to be behind them because you're going to get booed if you go before the bulls you want to be after the first set before the second set mm -hmm. so i start to run and this guy grabs me he's like no it's over 
it's it's over. And I'm like, oh shit, I thought it went down differently. And so, uh, so I'm just standing there. I'm I'm recollecting all my thoughts, and and then I hear from behind me, bulls. And I turn around, and there's these long horns. The big ones. The big ones. The big boys. <laughs> They're coming. They're right there. So I start to run for my life again. And I'm like, and I, I think at this point, I was outrunning him. But I tried to outrun a bull, and he ran me down. So, so now I'm looking for anywhere to hide. And there's nowhere to hide. You know, the, the streets are so narrow. There's no, most of it is, is all storefronts. So there, you, it's not like you can jump over fences. There's, there's little sections, but they're far and few between. And so uh, there was like a one-foot alcove where, where a door was. And so I ran into there. And so I'm, I'm t as tight as I can, belly first into the alcove. And I look back at him to see what the bull's doing. And he makes eye contact with me. So then I cover my eyes and I'm like, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. You know, I, I don't want this guy to come and mess me up because the longhorns are the ones that are going to tear you up. Those are the bad ones. Yeah, they're the bad boys. And they sweep the streets. So they're, they're like at a trot, you know, like three-quarter speed. And they're looking left and right. They're looking for you. Just looking for targets. Yeah. So they run past me, man. So now I'm, I'm, I'm on their heels trying to get into the Coliseum. You know, you want to get into the Coliseum, but they're closing gates right after the bulls, you know, because there's only that, that short window of getting in there. And so, uh, the bulls, so anyways, they closed the gate on me and I was okay with that kind of, I, I, I mean, I wanted to get in, but to get through the gates, I would have had to jump and fall on cobblestones and like re-injure myself and I was over it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would love to get in You've there, already but, expended a couple of your nine lives right, at this point. Right. I think I'm on one life. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you made it through. So I made it through. So, and then there's the boys. There's Shorty. There's, there's Bear. There's Wake. They're all right there. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so happy to see you guys. Yeah. And we are ready to party. So it's like 8.20 in the morning. We're all shaky. You know, we just lived through a, a life-changing ordeal. And we're like, let's go get beer. Yeah, for sure. Earned it. Yeah. So we, so we go get beer, party a little bit. And then they have to catch a train to go to, uh, where were they going? Milan or something like that to, to catch their flight home. But I was going back to England at this point. Yeah, because you still have your Hadrian Wall so I have my, adventure, so Ireland I, adventure. Exactly. I still have my three weeks in in the UK to, to go check out Scotland and Ireland and the rest and did of Did you know that you already wanted to... And for people that don't understand Hadrian's Wall, Hadrian's Wall was built by the Romans uh, long ago. 200 AD. About, yeah, 200 AD. And uh, it was built to keep the Scottish crazy barbarian tribes from uh, encroaching upon Roman England. Uh, so, and a lot of people say that the wall in Game of Thrones was based on Hadrian's wall. Okay. And so it's this, a legendary thing. And so had you known already at that time that you wanted to hike the entire length of it, which is like 72 miles? Did you already know you wanted to do that or no, you didn't? I did not. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know I thought, what I was going to do. I, I thought you already had that in your head. No. How in the hell I mean, did you get that? I mean, I knew, that, I knew that the wall was there, but I wasn't, I knew I knew that I wanted to go see it, but I didn't know that I was going to walk all along. Because that's kind of a big audible, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, oh yeah, seventy-two miles. Yeah, sure, I'll just hike the whole thing. When when we were in London at the event, I talked to a couple of the Londoners, and they're like, "Yeah, you don't want to hike the wall. It's boring." And 
and I should have known better. And I and I kind of read through that because boring means that there's like, you know, it's just nature. But that's what I want to see. You like that stuff. I though. love that. Yeah. I want to see ancient Rome from 2,000 2, years ago yeah. this wall was built. And it's almost 80 miles long. I want to see that. So so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, playing it through my head. But I think deep down I knew I was going to go. So I, so I went back to uh, London. I stayed with this uh, girl that I know, L Laura. She lives across the street from, uh, what's what's that? Uh, the big... Downtown London, the big eye? Yeah, big so she lives across from the big eye. Okay, cool. And she lives across from the Queen's house, which is uh, Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace. Yeah, she lives across the street from Buckingham Palace. How tight is that? That's nice. So I stayed with her uh, two nights. I spent a little more than I should have. It's a good place to have a friend, though. You know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you're but you're broke at this point. So in I'm time. broke. Yeah. So I left. I left Spain with not very much money, and I get to London and I spent quite a bit of that little money that I had, expecting that I'm gonna, gonna get, get that money. money from your buddies. Right. Yeah. Right. So so I land in London and I had a hundred pounds when I converted everything that I had. So 100 pounds in London does not get you very far. No, London's one of the most. If you've ever been to London, if you've never been there before and you are going to go, bring a lot of money because it's one of the most expensive towns that I've ever been in. Like it's a it's an incredibly expensive town. 100 bucks can get you, 100 pounds can get you a decent day. Yeah. And that's much. all I had. Yeah. And I had 3 weeks left. So so I'm I'm trying to to ration my money but you know I'm walking around uh it just so happened that Laura had to, she got a new job, so she had to work those two days. So I'm walking around London all by myself. You know, I'm getting hungry, so so I spent 50 pounds. So then she bought me a, a bus ticket to York, and uh, that was 30 pounds. So now I have 20 pounds left. So I get to York. I take So I stayed in London for two days, and then I took the bus up to York, and I landed probably... To the north. Yeah, so it's 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 on the the northeast side of of England, and it's like this ancient medieval uh, town, and it's beautiful. It's awesome, and it I think it was Friday night, and everybody is partying. It's a good time. So and I had a seventy pound backpack with everything that I owned in it. I had a tent. Pounds is in weight, not pounds is yeah, in. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so you brought all your stuff with you then? So I got Oliver and Ryan and Spica and Short to, to take back all my paintball gear and everything that I didn't need. So I had all this this stuff to, to do my whole adventure in my in my backpack. And so I'm I'm walking through this, the towns of York and, and I only have 20 pounds. So it's not like I'm a party too. So you're know? by yourself now. I'm by myself. Just a kind of an adventurer right. with 20 pounds to your name right. and all of your backpacking stuff. Right. That's it. Right. Three, so I'm three weeks ahead of you. Three weeks ahead of me. <laughs> 20 pounds, you know, and I have five dehydrated meals that I can count on in my back, in my backpack. So, Mountain house, baby. So I'm, I'm not out of food and water is easy to come by, you know, so that's no big deal. So, uh, so I'm walking through these streets and I'm walk past this bar and it's dark already by this point. And I'm kind of looking for a nice park to go pitch my tent in, you know, cause I can't afford a hostel or anything. So I'm looking for a nice quiet part of this this ancient town, a nice little park, and I walk past this bar, and they got this band that's playing this Louisiana funk, and they are good. Harmonica, banjo, and I'm like, man, these guys are good. So I'm standing outside the window, and this, this beautiful girl comes up to me, and she's like, you gotta take that backpack off. 
And I was like, ah, you know, I can't stay. She's like, listen, if you take that backpack off, I'll buy you a beer. I was like, backpack's off. <laughs> so I ended up uh, hanging out with her the rest of the night. She showed me a good time. You know, we, gosh, I think we were up to like 3 or 4, 4 a.m., just partying, having a good time. Went to sleep, and then uh, uh, she let me crash at her place. Big plus. Yeah, awesome plus. You know, she took care of me. Nice. Then, That's uh, always a good thing. Always. So yeah. then uh, I wake up after sleeping like two hours and caught my bus to Newcastle. And at this point, uh, money hasn't come. Money's probably not going to come for another week. My dad said, I got a hold of my dad, and my dad said uh, that he could send me some money, but it was going to be like a week out. So I was like, okay, I got to... I have five meals. I got five meals, no money. I got to waste a week. So are you, are you, do you still have the 20 pounds left? Or? I have 20 pounds. Okay. I'm savoring it like it's... Which is like 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, basically like yeah. 40 bucks. Right around there. And so one of the parts that I forgot to mention was that uh, when everybody went to, to Milan to catch their flights back home, I went back to Bilbao. And I hooked up with the Heat guys, the Houston Heat guys, because I knew they were there that night. And we went out, and they bought me a, uh, a bunch of beers, and I got pretty drunk, and I lost my phone. <laughs> That's right. You didn't have your phone. No, I forgot that part of the story. Yeah. So now I have no phone. And I have three weeks to go, and I have no money. No phone, no money. All right. I'm getting wild. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now I'm doing Hadrian's Wall for sure. I was just going to go see it. Now I'm going to walk it. Now it's a mission. This is mine, you know. So uh, I catch my train. I spend 10 of those uh, pounds to get a train into Newcastle. So now I have 10 pounds left. So I land in, in Newcastle. It's like uh, 11 a.m. And I just start walking. Newcastle's the start of... Newcastle is is wall is where Wall's End is. And that's basically where the wall ends. So I started walking through Newcastle, which is... I mean, it's Newcastle is cool. But it's, you know, not nature like I was looking to get to. Yeah. So the first night, uh, I had stopped and I had only seen 100 meters of the wall. Because Newcastle is, they kind of like tore down the wall to use it for other things, build roads over it, you know. So so I had walked for 25 miles and I had only seen 100 meters of the wall. Pretty disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> not a good start yeah. to this Hadrian's Wall. Oh Hadrian's my God. Wall. Super, super not cool at this point. <laughs> So I'm like, wow, I hope... You're probably also a little mentally depressed a little bit, right, too? You're like, I don't, I don't have any money. Definitely, definitely, you know, after not seeing any wall. Yeah, no, no wall, money. kind of this is the mission now I'm on. I'm going to be doing this for, a, you know, 70-plus miles. Right. And I broke, and I lost my phone, and... And I'm hiking my in my new boots. Through. Yeah. I'm hiking my new boots, which had given me mean blisters, oh. day number one. Day one you had day blisters? One. Day one I have blisters. For anyone that's ever been on a hike... That's terrible. That's terrible news. And and I know better. You know, I go backpacking all the time. I know not to bring new shoes. But I thought I'd broke them in. You know, didn't break them in enough. So day number one, my feet are wretched. Uh, I'd seen 100 meters, no money. So I fall asleep. Wake up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I got... And you're just pitching I, your tent wherever you can. Yeah. And which is great. Yeah. You know, my tent was my savior. My tent was... Holy grail at this point. So by the end of, so starting from day two and on, uh, I was just crossing farmland. And the wall was going straight through farms. So I think I scaled like 100 fences to follow this 
this wall. Wow. Maybe maybe even more. I can't remember what it was. And I'm trying to I'm trying to knock it out as fast as I can so that I could get up to Scotland, check out Scotland, and then before I have to go to Ireland to catch my flight uh, from Dublin. So I'm trying to knock as many miles as I can. My feet are wretched, so I'm changing my my walking style, which is now making my knees throb and my hips are throbbing, but I can't stop. You know, it's not like it can stop. Did you have any reoccurring aches and pains from the mauling that you took from, uh, you know, uh, Toro? You know what? I was scared because my 70-pound pack was really heavy, and I thought it was going to mess up my back, but no, I was I was solid. Nice. That's good at least. Super solid. Uh, I mean, other than the only reoccurring uh, injury that I had was I still can't feel my teeth. <laughs> Even at this point, you still no, my, numb No, they're teeth. finally coming back. It's been two months, and they're finally... Feeling is starting to come back to my teeth. Jesus Christ. So, I, so I'm so i walking along uh, Hadrian's Wall, and I have no money. I spent two, two pounds that morning to get some oatmeal, and I have one meal for every day. That's what I ration to. Uh, but that's not very much, you know. And so not I'm when running, you're walking 20-plus miles a day. Yeah, when you're walking 25 miles with, uh, with 70, 70 pound pounds pound. on your back. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. I was running out of fuel you know I was just I was getting drained you know my my feet were hurting I had no energy but it was like every time I would run out of energy there was raspberries just so, wild raspberries wild raspberries so I'm jumping in these wild raspberry bushes and I'm devouring raspberries like a bear a hungry bear <laughs> it's amazing how far you can go on just raspberries <laughs> I mean, just pure fuel for like four oh, hours. God. I could, I could fly. On That's just the quote of the podcast so far. It's amazing how far you can go on just raspberries. <laughs> so you're just eating wild raspberries. That's yeah. and just pumping yep. yourself up with sugar yep. off wild raspberries. Yep. I'm, I'm completely. By this point of the travels, I'm out of food. I have no more. So now you have no more food at all. Yeah. So I have no more uh, mountain houses. I'm done. And so uh, the only thing I'm eating is wild raspberries, and then occasionally. I will meet old people on the trail, and they'll be like, oh, my God, look at that pack. That thing is massive. Where are you from? Where are you going? What's your deal? So I would stop. I would have a conversation, laugh a little bit. And English people, their their humor is witty. You know, it's, it's awesome. So I would have a good time. And every time it seemed like, they'd be like, hey, do you need some food? We have extra food. Would you like some? And I tried to play it off cool, but yeah. Yeah, I'm starving, I'm, I'm hungry. Wow. But, uh, I mean, that happened like two days out of six or whatever. So, I mean, at this point, I'm only eating raspberries and water. So I make it through uh, all of Hadrian's Wall in the 80 miles in three three days. It was like three and a half, three and a half days. So you're just charging it. Yeah. Because you don't have any food or money left. And you're eating wild raspberries, right. and that's it. So you're like, I got to get this done. Yep. So I can get to Scotland. Did you at any point in time think of just audibling off of the adventure and just being like, dude, I tap out. I'm, I'm done. I need to get to civilization. I got to find a way to get money and a meal. You never, never even, up. never even came to my mind. mind. Really? I mean, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> I don't even know why it never did because there was a road. You know, I could see the road pretty much the whole time, but it never came across my mind. So I landed in Carlisle three and a half days later. And uh, my, my feet and my legs and everything just ache so much that I have to take a whole day to just recuperate. You know, I'm, I'm hurting. So I go to the library. I spent the whole day in the library, you know, uh, 
investigating where I was going to go next. And well, how'd you use the internet? Because didn't it cost money to use the internet? So I'm spending every every pound that I have to use the internet. That's it. Last, yeah. No money's now officially yeah. gone. The two pounds you had left yep. is now one to the internet, yep. and you're officially dead, complete, 100 yep. percent broke. I have, I have four pounds in my pocket. Oh God, dude. That's and crazy. my dad messaged me, and he says, "I'm sending you money right now. Go get some food." No. Way. Savior. Wow. Savior. Did you, so, want to, did you want to punch your friends in the face? That uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Oh, we got you, Blake. No problem. Oh, dude. we got yeah. you. We got you. So I'm, I'm. So now I have no phone. So I don't have numbers. So I'm trying to get a hold of them as as best as I could. You know. So I'm using Facebook and and they're they're coming at me like I'm being an asshole, asking for money that was promised to me. Yeah. You know, and it's and I'm screaming <laughs> in England. <laughs> I'm an asshole? Yeah. What? <laughs> In the middle of a library, people looking at me. I'm screaming. But I can't portray that in my email back because, you know, if I if I tell them that I, that I'm they they're being the rude ones, yeah. you know, they might not send me the money. So I'll, so I have to apologize for me being Try to get the money they owe yeah. you while you're stranded. Right. Jesus Christ. So my dad uh, came through, sent me uh, 200 bucks, which doesn't go very far, but yeah. you know, at least it's something. something so I got a meal. a meal. Yeah. I got a meal. I bought a bus ticket. And all I wanted to do was get to Scotland, but I have seven days left. So I never made it. I think I had like nine days. I think it was nine days. But it was going to take me four days just to get to where I wanted to go in Scotland and back. You know, So that left a day to really check out Scotland. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to Ireland. And I did all my studying on Scotland, zero on Ireland. So I have no clue where I'm going to go in Ireland. At all, just... Yeah, nothing. Just, let me just, just Dublin, probably, right? Just, okay, I'll go to Dublin. Yeah, Dublin. That's where my flight is. How'd so, you get from there to... How'd you get from England to Ireland? So I took a bus, which took me to Belfast over a ferry, which took all day. So I landed in Belfast at 11 p.m., Totally exhausted. Uh, when you when you cross from England to Ireland, you go through customs, which is uh, kind of lax because it's all the UK. But uh, they have a, a drug dog that jumps on the bus. So you, you just stay on the bus. You show them your passport and stay on the bus. The drug dog comes onto the bus and they say, if he pulls your bag out, then you have to step off the bus. Naturally, my, my bag was the only one that he picked out. <laughs> So now I have a bus full of people staring at me while they search my bag, and this and the and the custom agent is is pulling on my eight hundred dollars sleeping bag, pulling on it, just waiting for it to rip. Ugh. And I'm like, please, bro, please, I don't have any money. Please don't rip my sleeping bag. And yeah. he was cool. You're like, I don't have any drugs. Yeah. Stop trying to tear my stuff. Uh, I'll show you everything. There's yeah. nothing in my bag. I don't even know what your dog smelling. So he, he was cool. He let me pull everything out, you know, nice and gingerly. And so I guess what the dog was smelling was coins. So he, he's a drug slash money dog. Mm. So he, he smelled the coins in my bag. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's he's, awesome. a, he's a little beagle like I have. You know, their, their noses are incredible. So, he, so I spent an hour uh, searching for a few coins, which was cool. <laughs> and so I get back on this bus and everybody's staring at me and they're like, what'd you have? I was like, nothing. Nothing. And they're talking to me with these heavy accents from like Northern England, you know, and I can barely understand what they're saying, but they're super cool. So we, uh, we land in Belfast, 11 PM. Uh, I'm exhausted. There's no way I'm getting to any parks. So I just find this empty parking lot, set up my tent, fall asleep. 
in a parking lot. Yeah. Wake up the next morning, buses, cars, everything's driving past me. I'm in the middle of Ireland in a, <laughs> in a parking lot. Jesus. So uh, I go to the bus station, and uh, I have a twin sister named Shannon. Love her, love her to death. Shout out to Shannon. She uh, and there's a city in 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 Ireland called Shannon. So I'm like, okay, that's where I'm gonna go. I, I don't know where I was gonna go, so I see this city called Shannon. All right, I'll take a bus ticket to Shannon. And the lady looks at me, and she was like, "How about Galway? Galway's close to Shannon. You don't want to go, Shannon." I was like, "No, no, I really want to go to to Shannon." She was like. I'm going I'm to book you a ticket to Galway, and then you can figure it out there. She's not even going to help me out. She's just sending me straight just to Galway. Send, you no, know, it doesn't matter yeah. what you want to do. No, You're it doesn't matter. There. Yeah. So I get on this bus, land in Galway, and at this point, you know, I have no phone, no, no music. I'd walked for, what, a good week with no music, just my thoughts. So I land in Galway, and it's a live music festival going on. Oh, I'm in heaven. And they are good at, at music in Ireland. So my dad had just rejuvenated my my cash flow, so I get a I get a hostel, so I could take a nice shower, get cleaned up, and then go live some music. So I booked this hostel, or I go to this hostel, and I ask them, you know, what's your cheapest bed? And they said it was uh, eighteen euros, because in Ireland they use euros. I'm like, perfect. They said it's twelve bed hostel room. So I was like, perfect, book me. So that was the last bed that they had for that night. So I barely squeaked in. So I go up to my room. It was room 12, and I had bed 108 or whatever. So I walk in, use my key to access the door, open the door, and there's 11 girls in this room. <laughs> so I close the door. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just walked into the wrong room. Look at the sign, 12. Look at my thing, 12. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> so after all of this torture, almost killed by a bull, hike to the wall, no money, no food, eat living off raspberries, don't have no idea where you're going, get to Ireland, and then fate gifts you with walking into a room in a hostel. It's one other, 12 beds, and the other 11 are taken by traveling women. Yes. So I look up. I say, Karma thank God's you. just shining. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I walk in. I take my bag off. I'm starting, I'm, you know, getting comfortable, getting ready for the shower. And, and seven of the girls are from Australia that I figure out. Two of them are from, from the U.S. and two are from Spain. The, the two from the U.S. are kind of big, you know, and, and they don't want any part of me. I don't want any part of them. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. The seven from Australia, beautiful. The two from Spain, beautiful this sounds and, great and they're just talking to me oh it sounds they're not better. even talking to each other at this point they're just talking to me they're like what's your story oh my god and the yeah. perfect time ever to just be in that situation with somebody wanting a story to be told they must have loved you so i'd walk through galway I, you know i kind of figured out the spots that i was going to go that night yeah uh talking to locals so uh they're like blake what are you doing tonight and i was like well i'm gonna go to these places you guys want to come and they're like yeah yeah we don't know where to go I'm like, oh, I got this. I got this. Girls, you come with me. Just half bullshitting. You're like, no right. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't fall into it. Whatever. <laughs> you have no other choice. No choice. So I take my shower and then we go straight to the first bar and I have like, you know, 100 euros. I spend it all on booze. Well, I spent like half of it, <laughs> half of it on booze that night. And, and these seven girls, there's guys approaching them. They want no part of that. They just want to hang out with Blake Yarber. And hear your stories. And hear my stories. No and I'm way, telling them my stories. And they're loving it. They're oh. eating them up. Oh, this is great. And so we're, we're, we go clubbing. And, uh, and uh, two of the girls uh, just love me. 
to death. Love me to death. This is sounding like a great bookend to an amazing story. <laughs> so uh, one of the girls took me to park, and we had a lot of fun. <laughs> Love that. And then uh, I took her back because, uh, well, we went back to the club, and then she got pretty wasted. So then I took her back to the hostel, you know, the gentleman that I am. Mm-hmm, of course. Uh, went back to, out with the girls, and then, uh, you know, we went back to the hostel and had another good time. <laughs> No way, dude. Yeah, what? In a, oh, my God. So it's almost like God or the fates or whatever, whoever is presi- the grand architect who is presiding over all of these crazy lives that we live, <laughs> just decided to throw a bunch of adversity at you and you made it through and then gifted you with seven Australian girls to hang out with on what was, you know, kind of the close of, right. of this amazing adventure. Right. Wow. That is an incredibly impressive story. That's the best series of adventures that I've heard out of knowing a bunch of friends that travel the world and do crazy things, you know? So that was, uh, that's a doozy. I mean, you know, but, the, but again, it kind of speaks to that whole thing. I mean, you know, you worked your ass off in the paintball world to kind of one day, hopefully have the chance to do something like this, but it's not just paintball. I mean, you know, I mean, if you work hard enough and, and kind of set your life up the right way and not, and most importantly, have the will to go on the adventures, you never know what fate's going to kind of roll the dice and, and throw in front of you that you have to get through. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, Oh, that's just such an amazing story. Congratulations, bro! What Thank a great, you. what a great summer! Because you, you also went down to like uh, South America too. Yeah, so uh, I play for uh, a Colombian team in uh, in Bogota. That's where they're based. It's a uh, low profile. Uh, so I've I've played five events this year for them. A few last year. So that I, I base out of Colombia for them. We, I, I didn't play the last event because it was uh, in conflict with the PSB. So I think we're ranked first at the moment. Actually, they won the last event without me there, mm-hmm. which was uh, super cool. The last time I was there, uh, Oliver was there also playing for a team called Tsunami. We played Oliver in the finals, uh, semifinals actually, to see who was going to go play against the Ironmen who had come down. And uh, we went to triple overtime. It was raining. It was dark. And so we had to flip a coin, and Oliver won. Oliver won. Oliver, Oliver would win off of a coin flip. Oliver beat He's me one of on the luckiest people toss. I've ever met in my entire life. So that's how it came down yeah. to a coin toss. Yeah. Who got to call it? Uh, Oliver called it. Oliver. <laughs> was it heads or tails? Oh, I can't remember. Oh my god, that's what a son of a bitch. Yeah, he won on yeah. a coin toss. He would though. That yeah. totally makes sense. I mean, it, I've never heard of a tournament being decided. I mean, it was. Off it was, of a coin it was flip. raining. There was lightning, uh, and you couldn't see anything. Yeah, so it was just kind of yeah, for safety I mean, and, yeah, no, that makes my sense. My team wanted to keep playing, you know, shout out because they're uh, super studs, but, I mean, nobody could see anything. How long do you think that you um, are going to kind of continue living this this adventurous paintball pro, you know, playing for Icon in Europe and playing for mm-hmm. a team in South America and playing for Dynasty in the States? I mean, that's what, 15 tournaments that you're playing this year, right. along with practices. And right. I mean, that's a that's a really big commitment to to kind of have to fulfill. I mean, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's a great, it's a great adventure. Are you just going to, how long do you see yourself continuing to do this? I told myself coming into the year that I was going to take two years to do it. But uh, I'm really enjoying it. So I might extend that to four or five or I mean, 10. as long as you can kind of just keep it going, right? Yeah. That is a good thing, though, that your your trade does allow you to 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 have this lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know. But again, it goes down to if you want to do, 
you want to live crazy ass adventures like Blake's been doing, then you need to will that to happen by working your ass off and learning something you can do that that allows you to have the time to be able to do this sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, you'll meet some beautiful Australian babe and want to settle down or something like that. <laughs> He's shaking his head. I love the Australians. Oh. Well, uh, you know, talking about adversity, let's talk about the last event because I'm sure some people want to hear what's on Dynasty's mind after the West Coast Open. Um, terrible event for you guys. It was rough. But you guys lost a lot of one-point games. Um, you didn't win any games, which mm-hmm. is the first time that that's happened in a long time. What were kind of what was the vibe on the team right after that happened? I'm sure it was you know tough, but I mean, what has there been? You know, what, what's going on in your mind about you know heading into Cup and having to deal with this this kind of dastardly turn of events for you guys? I mean, it hurt. It yeah. hurt a lot. Uh, and we had weddings to go to, so we only had really one weekend of practice, and it shows. You know, the team. We usually practice three three weekends, and I think you're doing four weekends. You're releasing the event four weekends yeah. before this World Cup. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we only had that one weekend. So we practiced, uh, but we just couldn't get on the same page. You know, we, some of us wanted to attack. Some of us wanted to, to sit. That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. Because, you know, again, it wasn't – there was only one game that you guys lost by a decent amount of points, but every other game, and it was a tough bracket – that you guys ran, but really close games. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did kind of look like not everyone, the communication wasn't quite where it used to be. Right. That field was very similar to the, the Mid-Atlantic Open uh, where you guys won. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Mid-Atlantic Open, MAO. You guys won that event, and it was a very similar layout. But there was there were some differences about this, and I kind of talked to Ryan a little bit about this this past weekend. Uh, a good friend of ours, Robbie Petnelli, got married, so Ryan was there, and we were kind of talking a little bit about it. And he was saying that, that he didn't really feel the team did a good job of kind of evolving the game plans throughout the tournament to really get into to try to master that field. Um, not that you guys didn't try, but it just it didn't seem to work, you know, right. to, at least enough to get you guys you know, passed um, into the semis through a very tough bracket. But um, but when you, when you take a loss like that, it's it's always really, really hard to deal with mentally, you know, especially right. when you've been on top for so long. Right. Um, I mean, it, half the guys took it uh, – Spica for, for sure took it hard for a week. You know, I mean, none of us was happy to be in that situation. Of course, yeah. You know, uh, myself, uh, it it's hard to swallow, but you, you can't dwell on it. You know, it's, it's time to pick yourself up and move on. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been there. I've lost – everything before you just got to get up and go again and so coming into this next event uh it's going to be scary you know we don't know any of these teams i mean we know the teams but we've never seen them play Mm -hmm. they've all seen us play it's going to be hard it's going to be real hard yeah so uh so we got quite a uh vigorous uh practice schedule coming out that would make sense yeah um but it, it's it's also, you know, I mean, when you stumble, it's an opportunity to get back and prove yourselves again. For sure. And it's always tough, though, it seems like for Dynasty, is that Dynasty always comes out really strong in the beginning of the year and then kind of doesn't have the performances that they, you know, would want to have towards the later part of the year. Um, but, you know, it's World Cup, and um, I'm interested to see what you guys are going to bring. Um, but, it, yeah, it's going to be tough. It definitely speaks, I think, to the strength of – the league and and how there's so many good teams now. I mean, yeah. when you're watching all these games, 
uh, there's a lot of close ones, and it, it makes it really exciting because I, you never really know what's going to happen now. I mean, that the West Coast Open had a lot of shockers. You know, Revo did really well. Um, you guys lost a lot of close ones and ended up not winning any games and having to get relegated down. Uh, but it, it's it's a just you know pro paintball at its highest level is very dynamic now, which I think is is a good thing for the sport. Obviously, it's gonna it's a tough thing when you take a loss like that, but but I think that. You know, it's it's going to be uh, we're going to probably see a pretty fear. I wouldn't want to play you guys at World Cup. That's for that's for damn sure. Because um, Dynasty has always historically been one of those teams that you know, if Dynasty squeaked in, you don't want to play them on Sunday because um, you know it's you know obviously you know it's it's Dynasty. You guys won the the series title last year and have won some events you know in the past couple of years and are always going to be a favorite. So that's why it was such a huge shocker for for this to happen. But, uh, but I, mean, I mean, that's the thing is that everyone wants to know kind of what's on Dynasty's mind heading into World Cup. I mean, Probably a lot of tenacity, a lot of just, you know, let's let's go and do this. You, you want to know what's on our mind? And I was talking to Yosh on our backpacking trip. Uh, Yosh kind of put it the best way. This is our hardest tournament coming up. Uh, so we're, we're hungry. We are angry at what had happened. So we have a really heavy practice schedule and we're not taking anything for granted yeah well that's that's good that's what if i was coaching the team that's the mentality that i would want you guys to have um yeah man well thanks for sitting in dude what a what a what a crazy year that you've had and uh and props to you for working hard you know throughout your 20s and just always kind of uh willing to that's the one thing I like about you is you're always willing to for that adventure, you know. And uh, but I, I but I think that that's the type of mentality that you know a, a pro front player needs. You have to be willing to take your lumps. You have to be willing to grind. You got to be willing. To, I mean, that's why we have those you know that that cliche of the grind and all these you know the, why front guys at that level always kind of have a certain mentality because you kind of need to be a pretty mentally tough and reckless guy to even be put in those situations because you know you're the first one to go. And, uh, I mean, do you have any advice for guys that are kind of coming up and anyone that would want to be in your position one day? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my biggest thing is just have fun, you know, make friends. You, you get nowhere making enemies. So, uh, enjoy it. You know, don't, don't go out there and make enemies, go out there and make friends cause you'll, you'll enjoy it. And as a result, things will happen. Yeah. yeah that's my biggest advice. So, yeah, I mean, that's. Don't be a dickhead. Is <laughs> people are like how should you live like? Just don't be an asshole. But uh, as far as on the field, uh, yeah, I think I got because you play the D side. You right, know, you're D side right. specialist. I, I got noticed because of how aggressive I was. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can always kind of reteach someone to slow down a little bit, but teaching aggression is very hard. Uh, so I think that's where I got noticed. Uh, I was very aggressive. I was a good snap shooter, which got me a lot of a lot of kills. So that got me noticed. Yeah, that's definitely important. Are you going to continue to play for uh, the same teams heading into next year yes. in Europe and in South America? Uh, yeah, as far as I know. I've, I haven't talked to my French team yet. Uh, I believe so, but I'm not positive. Uh, my South American team, I'll be with them. Uh, I'll probably go back and play with my Brazilian, Brazilian team. Um, and those three at the moment. Are there any places that you want to go that you haven't been? For sure. I mean, I know you're always, like, you're always going on some sort of event. I mean, sure. hell, dude, we came back from a 50-mile backpacking trip, which was epic, by the way. If you ever get a chance to get to the Sierra Nevadas, 
dude, you've got to go. It is such a magical, majestic place. And also, how badass was it when we got to the top of Mir Pass? And uh, so we're, we're, we're in this, what was it, like day three, I think, day three or day four. We're hiking up this long switch. Yeah, long, gradual climb. It wasn't too crazy on that, at least on the side that we approached from. Um, but you're out on this just rocks everywhere. Every step sucks because there's just, you know, it, it's almost comical actually on those trails how unwalkable some of them are. <laughs> you know, you got the pack on, you're, you know, trying to maintain your footing. And so we have this long, slow climb to the top where there's this hut. So at the top of Muir Pass in the Sierra Nevadas on the John Muir Trail, there's this stone hut that was built in 1930 by the Sierra Club as a, uh, a place where hikers stuck in storms can rest. But, you know, it's pretty windy at the top of this. So we're tired and we get up there and we're inside and, you know, we have a Navy SEAL on the trip. We got guys that, you know, like Blake that, you know, are love to hike mountains, do it all the time, go on crazy adventures. Yosh was there with his brothers who are tough as hell. And we got, you know, a pretty, you know, tough group of dudes. And we're sitting there looking at each other like, oh, I'm pretty tired. That was, that was a pretty good climb. And in walks an 83-year-old woman. 83. 83 into this hut, you know, hunched over, pack on her back. And we all look at each other like, oh my God, dude. Like, what an amazing, uh, and like, and Robbie, our, you know, Navy SEAL buddy had, had was like, you know, he's like, when I see a, a person like that, I just want to go up to him, take out a pad of paper and just say, tell me everything. Everything. Tell me everything. What did you eat? What were, how did you think about life? Like, how is it that you're 83 and still climbing these goddamn mountains? Because that is- Start from day one. Yeah, tell me start, from day one. <laughs> start from day one. Tell me exactly how you lived What'd your you life. What did you do at breakfast? Because I want to know, yeah, what did you eat? Like, I, how in the hell are you climbing these mountains at 83 years old? It was a with very- a smile. With she a wasn't smile. even struggling. No, dude, she had the biggest smile on her face. Like- Oh, it was so impressive. It just made you feel like it gave you a, a real kind of kick in the ass and like a burst of energy. At least it did yeah. for me. I was yeah. like, if that woman can do it, like there's no excuses, you know, like just get up that goddamn mountain. Yeah. Yeah. It was and badass. She, what she had started at 7,000 feet and that was the pass was at 12,000. And she came from that opposite side. Yeah. Oh, that was a climb. That was a climb and a half. That was insane. Just heading down that. I was like, how are these mules? Because the rich people get mules to bring their food up. We're, just, <laughs> we're hiking the food up ourselves. Heavy ass packs. But, uh, but I was like, it, that was such a treacherous descent that I was, and, now, and the whole time I'm thinking like, how did this woman get up this insane height? Like, she said she, was, she had been carrying her pack until late 70s. I yeah. think is what she said. Yeah, she had a, she had a pack on. It wasn't obviously a fifty pound pack, but she had a pack on. Right. But I mean, but she you know it was interesting. But she'd been doing that her whole life. I mean, her family climbed those mountains, or you know, kind of because uh, a lot in the Sierra Nevadas for people that don't know, like the John Muir Trail. And what happened during the '30s was there was uh, the Great Depression, and the conservation corps were uh, created by Roosevelt to put people to work. So a lot of those trails got fleshed out. Um, obviously, there'd been Indian trails and and um, and mule train trails in and out of those mountains. But that's when all those those trails really kind of solidified into their current incarnation was during that time, which was when that hut was built. But her family was, you know, climbing those mountains right. at, uh, when she was at young, and then she used to lead expeditions into the mountains and. So she'd been doing it her whole life, but and then when I was talking to her, she said, "Yeah." So I was like, "Hey, would you be honored? Would you honor me, please, by taking a picture with me? Because it's so amazing that you were able to climb this mountain, and that's just a, you know a testament to what's possible." And she's like, "Oh, no problem, honey. You know." And she's like, you, "But then she's like, you're gonna have to hold me up. It's a little windy up here." So I like <laughs> held her up a little bit, and we took a picture. And then she said, "Yeah, there was a. I ran into a guy who was 85." Uh, who was hiking on another trail. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, just when you, like, make it to the top of a mountain and you feel like, oh, yeah, we did it. 
then something happens and you to put you in your place and you realize like, you know what, man, there's a lot of people going through way harder, you know, trials than you're going through. Sure. So, you know, don't be, I, I don't hope, be a coward. I hope I can be there. Right. So impressive. Wait, thank you for sitting in. Um, best of luck at World Cup and thank you. with all your adventures. Wish me and Ryan good luck. And uh, uh, we're going to Egypt after the next millennium. No way. Yeah. So that's going to be an adventure. Going to go see the pyramids? Going to go see the pyramids. We got a nice spot right in front of the pyramids. All right. Well, you know, bring a little bit more money this time. I will. Try to eat a little bit more. I will. We don't want you losing your strength. No way. And also, and most importantly, stay away from those goddamn bulls, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, Blake Yarber, San Diego Dynasty. Thank you guys for tuning into the Real Deal Podcast. Also, remember, uh, we got World Cup coming up, man, October 9th through the 12th. Uh, you know, sign your team up if you haven't already. It's the biggest event of the year. It's going to be insane. And, you know, if, if, we've, if any of the action we've seen in any of the tournament, four tournaments so far, is any indication, it's you know, who knows what's going to happen at Cup, man. La- last year, uh, X Factor won in a come from behind victory against Edmonton Impact. Impact's been doing really good this year. X Factor's back in the champs division now. Um, so we'll see if Dynasty can fight out of the challengers division. It's, it's going to get crazy. So, yeah, man, thank you guys for tuning in. And I will see you guys next time.